The views expressed in our podcast do not represent the views of all sorority organizations. You might even hear different viewpoints among MJ sorority team members featured. Real Talk intends to foster open dialogue about issues we see across the country that affect real women. And beyond these thoughts and recommendations, we would ultimately refer you back to local, state, and federal authorities, as well as your own sorority's rules and policies. While we intend to keep content light and informative, there may be insurance claims discussed that involve bodily injury and personal damage of a sensitive nature. Be aware that topics may be a bit graphic and even emotionally charged. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Real Talk with MJ Sorority, the voice of sorority risk management, where we talk about the big risks, small questions, and real challenges sorority women face today. MJ Sorority is the premier insurance agency for women's sororities. We are passionate about educating and empowering our clients. We believe that striving to be unique never stops, and that by promoting safe decisions and smart risks, we can continue to create spaces for women to grow, serve, and lead. I'm Sarah. And I'm Allison. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode where we get into what we can't stop talking about, besides sorority risk management, of course. For now, let's dive into our conversation and let's get real. Hello there. It's some of your favorites, Allison and Ruth, here to talk about event planning. I know you've missed us. (laughs) Hello, Allison. Hello, Ruth. It's good to be with you virtually to get to record this podcast today. It's always fun. Always good to be with you, Allison. Always good. Well, and it's it's getting to be summertime, which is I know when events calm down for you a little bit, at least all the spring events. But I think I heard you say that you're already gearing up for fall events and people checking in and sending you stuff, trying to plan ahead, right? Absolutely. And I believe that we are back to full force. Um, COVID really put a damper on the event. Well, not a damper, it put a stop (laughs) to events. And they kind of trickled back a little at a time, but I think we're back full force now. Mm -hmm. Back full force, maybe more events than ever. We'll see for this fall. We will see. Yep. They're starting to plan already in the fall. And you know, I love that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, the better we can do ahead. Planning ahead is definitely one of the things we we appreciate in working with anybody planning events. Um, and we wanted to talk about a aspect of events that comes up, not for every event, but for lots of social events. And we've recently heard some interesting situations that have come out of events when this aspect is not nailed down with trustworthy people. And so, Today, we're here to talk about security uh, and security for event planning. So in general, some organizations do require you to have professional security at your social events, uh, and we definitely support that. And so it's it's a good practice uh, when there's alcohol involved, when any sort of event has the potential to get rowdy. Uh, or involves drinking and making sure people are complying with the law, having security is always a good idea. However, there are a couple things to keep in mind before you hire or agree to allow someone to serve as your security. And they include making sure that however many security personnel are going to be present for your event, that there are, are enough of them to cover your spaces equitably. So what do we mean by that? We mean if you're having a bus or venues, just that you have enough people covering it uh, and that you're not like one short and just decide, oh, we just won't 
put security maybe on the seniors, they're fine. We've seen some incidents come out of that where the seniors bus was not fine. And because there wasn't security there and there was security other places, negligence was created uh, because there was not security equitably spread across the different event spaces. So um, that's kind of the first thing to consider. The second thing is just making sure you talk with them ahead of time about really enforcing the agreed upon standards and making sure everyone's on the same page of, of what it means to be security for your event. They obviously can't enforce every single rule of your sorority or organization for you, uh, but having a good understanding of what they will enforce and being clear about that ahead of time is important. Uh, these individuals should not be armed. Uh, that's our opinion, that they should be armed and that uh, they should be covered by insurance, their own insurance while on duty through professional liability, usually carried through their employer uh, and not with your chapter. So they shouldn't be relying on your organization to cover them. Uh, this is where sometimes where we see this become an issue is where off-duty police officers are hired, uh, which can potentially be problematic from an insurance standpoint. So Ruth, can you share a little bit why off-duty security guards may sound like a good idea, but from an insurance standpoint, we can get a little bit concerned? Yes, it, it, you're right. It sounds like that would be the best solution to have an off-duty police officer. But our concern is with the off-duty police officers, it's unlikely that they carry their own work comp and general liability insurance coverage. So if something were to happen, uh, your organization could be held liable to uh, liable as their employer. So you don't, we don't want to do that. Um, you don't want to be in a position where an armed off-duty police officer would be considered an employee of your organization. Uh, a more practical solution would be a security company. Um, I've seen this often where we've had police officers and nine times, I can't even say nine times out of 10 more than that. <laughs> um, they do not have their own insurance coverage. The same as if you're going to hire your friend, <laughs> that's not a good idea either. They don't have their insurance, they don't have insurance coverage. Uh, you need someone that would be in a, a professional, professional position where they can provide the security that's needed, but also be adequately insured. And again, in our opinion, they should not be armed. Good thoughts. Well, and I, I know that the reason people tell us that they look into off-duty off duty police officers is they can be sometimes more cost-effective. Sometimes they're campus police officers that are off-duty. And so they feel like, oh, they're familiar with campus and they're off-duty and they're not going to charge that much, which does sound like a great deal. But again, if you start asking questions, as Ruth mentioned, most of the time, the off-duty part, while it sounds convenient, also means there's no one backing them up. If they, if, if a situation turns violent or gets aggressive, uh, that could end up back on your sorority's responsibility for what happened, um, which, again, yeah. kind of defeats the whole point of when we get a third-party person involved if it's going to come back on you, right? Exactly. And here's, an, here's another one to kind of tie into it. Some of the venues require you to use their own security for checking IDs, et cetera, you know, and that's fine. But like any vendor that you contract with, it's okay, but we encourage you to ask questions. Who's doing it? How do they usually do it? 
How are they marking over 21? Um, do they use wristbands? Do they use colored markers? You know, a wristband be easy to take off. Everyone has a marker. You know, just kind of check out these little things to see that the kind of security that you're hoping for and that you would expect. And just ask, and that should be true with any vendor you're working for, right? Asking those questions ahead of time to say, hey, you're a professional, we trust you, but can you tell us how you do these things and how this right. actually works? Um, just to make sure they're thinking through that stuff and that you can be on the same page based on things you've seen maybe go wrong in the past and just making sure nothing goes wrong. I know we had an example recently of a venue security that was not very professional, to say the least. And I would even venture to say that I'm guessing some of those conversations didn't happen ahead of time to make sure everybody was on the same page. And in this case, the the venue they were relying on the venue security. It was just part of the contract, and so they didn't, you know, ask questions about how are you actually going to check people in. Um, and how's that going to work from a risk management standpoint? So as some lessons of what not to do, uh, we thought it'd be helpful to just run through a few of the things that happen at this event as a sort of a wacky example, but could very realistically happen a, a, in other places if you don't have these conversations. So it included apparently marking those drinking with an orange Sharpie X. Orange is an interesting color choice to me. Orange sounds like it could uh, get washed off a little more easily than like a black or something that stains a hand a little bit more. It's so hard to come by, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anybody could have an orange Sharpie. So people know it's a Sharpie system. They can bring their own Sharpies. Um, so just thinking through how, how can people get around this and how are we curtailing that? Apparently, they were not checking everyone's ID, but only checking those that would be drinking at the venue's bar which again, sort of makes sense, but it's it's nice to have some way that you denote people that are not 21 if possible as well. And, and in a way that they can't wash off or take off. So it sounds like they were also letting IDs which were not 21 and up pass as 21 and up, um, which is obviously not okay as hired professionals that are should be at the door to prevent that from happening. Uh, and it sounds like they were letting obvious fakes pass or excusing obvious fake IDs for the bar. To, and, and I would just assume they were trying to get more sales and they thought if it's a fake ID, at least it's an ID and we'll let them through. But again, the whole point of them being there is to stop that stuff from happening. So it becomes like, why do you even have security in the first place? Right. Stop it, not promote it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's promote underage drinking here. <laughs> exactly. Well, if I was paying a venue a lot of money from a chapter's dues, which includes security, and they're not doing their jobs, I'd be mad. I'd be mad that they didn't do their job. Well, didn't one of the security guards make a, a comment? I think so. It was something like, why? I think the reason we think they were letting fake IDs through is somebody said, why? One of the security guards apparently said to an advisor, why is no one drinking? No one has a fake. Like they were hoping that there would be more fakes or something. Again, yeah, which is just bizarre. So really professional though. No, no, <laughs> not exactly. And apparently they were negotiating with advisors about which guests they could remove or let back in in an inappropriate fashion, maybe flirting a little bit with the guests or the advisors as a way to try to like get them to do what they wanted. Um, and maybe even appeared intoxicated themselves. So in so general, flirting isn't okay. I mean, <laughs> for me, I'm 65. If they flirt with me, I'm a really, I'm going to be, Hey, 
Yeah. Hey, you can be flattered. That's fine. I'll be flattered. As long as they're not doing some quid pro quo weird stuff with it, you know? Yeah, no. Just, just, I just want the nice words all in one. Just the flattery. Just the flattery. flattery. (laughs) Hey, I'll take flattery when I can get it too. Yep. But yeah, I think it was more the fact that their judgment was probably impaired and they were likely intoxicated while on the clock, which is, again, not super helpful when you're paying somebody money to do this. So, and then I think kind of the, the kicker nail in the coffin was they were allowing shots and hard alcohol and improper beverage containers like glass. That's not part of the agreed event. So once again, when you agree on just, this is the kind of event we're having, if we're doing beer and wine only, or maybe we're allowing hard alcohol, but not shots, um, whatever those rules are, and thinking about safe containers too. Glass on the dance floor may sound harmless. Um, I was at a wedding over the weekend where a wine glass shattered all over the dance floor and it stopped the fun for a bit. And for no other reason than stopping the music and the dancing, like that stinks. No one wants that to happen. And it's because it made it unsafe for a little bit. So just talking through all that stuff and thinking through, okay, what does this event look like? Who's in charge of this scenario if it comes up? Is it security's job or is it an advisor's job? to enforce the rules of the sorority, all those kind of conversations. So there were obviously lots of things that could be better about this one. So talking about the flirty boys and the fake IDs and all that, um, from a risk management perspective, does the chapter have any repercussions? Can they do anything? Yeah. And that's part of the reason we learned about this is the chapter was asking, what can we do since they violated their contract and what we expected of them? Uh, And from a risk management standpoint, there's not much we can do after the fact if no one's harmed. So in this case, they were lucky. No one stepped on glass. No one uh, that that we know of or that's been reported so far, no one was injured um, or had to go to the hospital after this event. One of the boys didn't kiss anybody or anything. Yeah, no, no, (laughs) I don't think so. Not that we know of. So, you know, since no one was harmed, there's really not we, a lot we can do, uh, but certainly it could have gone way worse for the chapter and they could have asked better questions to maybe prevent some of this stuff from even happening. Um, and we said too, you know, if you're going to start complaining about breach of contract, you've got to look at the contract to make sure you followed in with your end of things as well. So right. just um, kind of going through and saying, Hey, did we, did we live up to our agreement? Did we provide the transportation we said we were going to? Did we provide the payment? And and did our members in general act with the conduct that they should have at this event? So right. all sorts of things. But um, just another thought is that security should be enforcing the standards that follow local liquor laws, which are different in every state. Um but in general, everybody needs to be 21 up if they're drinking and they should be maintaining order, um, which includes trying to prevent fights from breaking out if they see something getting out of control. Uh, this is this is especially true and necessary with guests who are often men and can get physical beyond what the sorority men, members can maintain themselves, which is why we recommend security. And that's truly not a gendered comment to imply that women can't take care of themselves Uh, It's just commonly what we see based on incidents and claims that go bad quickly. It's often the guests that start the fights and it's often men uh, that are there that aren't even 
it's not even the sorority members a lot of the time, it's their guests and who they choose to bring. So troublemaking boys. That's all we got. Troublemaking boys. Yeah. <laughs> Try to find some well behaved, well behaved boys to bring with you to the event first. But that's right. If anything gets out of hand or something goes weird, it's nice to have security to back you up. So the bottom line is when you hire security for from a private firm, not off-duty police officers, a private firm, you can and you should expect better quality security than if you just accept the security from, you don't know where they came from, just whatever the venue is provided. And they may make you go along with that. But if they do, then I would be sure to read that contract. That's, that's our take on security and just things to consider. Hopefully that helps as you're planning an event. Just think about that aspect and think a little bit more about why your organization may have those rules in place. So now we move on to the portion of our recording called What We Can't Stop Talking About. And I think I'm going to let Ruth go first with something she's been following in the news and I'm sure other listeners have been following along with as well. Well, one reason we have to kind of hurry this up and get this podcast completed and recorded on time is we are on jury watch and the jury is right now at lunch for the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. And it's been going on for six weeks. It's been very interesting. You know, I am a murder investigator. If you just say it like it is, you know, but this wasn't murder or anything, but it was very interesting. And, um, just interested to see how this comes back. I've listened mm-hmm. every day or watched every day mm-hmm. and every evening. And to say I'm a little obsessed. I didn't even, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of either one of them. I just, oh, yeah, because I feel like when we talked a couple weeks ago, you were like, I don't really know a whole lot yet. Just kind of curious to see how this turns out. Sounds like a terrible situation all around. And then Last week, you were like, I am now a resident expert. I was That's like, right. okay, she's dove into this one. <laughs> well, I knew who Johnny Depp was, of course, and I'd watched three or four of his movies. And I think he's a great actor. I didn't know who Amber Heard was. Um, I do now. So um, it's just really interesting. So mm-hmm. I'm going to quit talking so we can get this. <laughs> get back to it. So. Get back to it. Back to yeah. Watching the jury when they come back well, to deliberate. We can't even see them. We don't even know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, it's hard to tell what happened, but I would venture to say they could have used a little security in their lives at some point to separate it, them. It was a very toxic relationship. It was yes. Not good. Very toxic. Not good all around. And I hope I hope everybody can safely move on after this. Yes. Um, from each yes. other. Definitely. How about you? What can't you stop talking about? What I can't stop talking about, well, I recently had my sister visit me and help me kind of go through my closet and do some purging. I think you did some of that, some some closet purging recently as well, right? I did. It makes you feel so good. It does. It really does. You feel lighter, even if there's not a huge dent in your closet. It It's nice to get, just get some stuff out that you keep kind of moving past and don't wear anymore. And it's always surprising to me when you bring somebody else in to look at your clothes. Sometimes they see things you might not of ways you could wear things. And my sister, who is about a decade younger than I am, uh, keeps me updated on all all the latest trends and things going on. And apparently there's a trend that started on TikTok as kind of reviving it for this generation. It's not really a new style. It's just something that's come back as now trendy and cool. I guess for all the young trendy cool kids, but it's called coastal grandmother style. 
And had you heard of this before I talked about it, Ruth? I have not, but I'm in, I'm interested, you know, because I am a grandma. <laughs> you know, so I want to yeah, be, I want to well, be cool and. Yeah, well, you already are cool, Ruth, for sure. <laughs> You're one of the coolest grandmothers I know. But the, oh, well, thank you. The it's it's funny to me that this is a cool style now, and that they've labeled it that way. It's uh, but it's apparently just a lot of traditional classical pieces with neutral colors and textures, like you'd see in someone's beach house on the coast. So things like linens, comfy uh, wide leg pants oversized sweaters and cardigans and big summery straw hats, things like white sneakers or flats um, and sandals, a lot of monochromatic kind of tones either. And, And it doesn't just have to be for your clothes. It can be for like things in your home. People are labeling certain kind of music styles now as coastal grandmother. It's like a whole movement. It's crazy. Wow. Music too, huh? (laughs) And again, it's, it, like any style that comes back, it's nothing new. I don't think they've invented any new things. They've just kind of repackaged it. And I was told, kind of think of the movie, Something's Gotta Give. And Diane Keaton, I think, is the actress in that. And mm-hmm. her whole look, it's very much that whole lifestyle. And I think people like it because it that look kind of denotes that you have access to like simple luxuries, that you can relax that you can do things like go on beach picnics anything that looks like that I guess is is the cool thing this summer so now you know all right well that wraps up our conversation on security latest style trends latest uh kind of trial criminal not criminal but trial kind of civil procedures going on and we will let you get back to that jury watch Ruth that's right that's right. I'm, I have my phone on. You can't see you, you, but I've been kind of keeping an eye. I think they're probably back from lunch now. Okay. <laughs> time to go then. Until next time. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining us for Real Talk. We want to hear from you. If you have feedback, comments, or questions, send us an email at realtalk at mjsorority.com. Visit our website, mjsorority.com, to learn more about who we are, what we do, and explore our huge resource library. Check out the show notes from today's episode to dig a little deeper into the topics we discussed. This has been Real Talk with MJ Swery. Be smart. Be safe. And we'll catch you next time.